Well, good morning, moms. Happy Mother's Day. Join me in celebrating our moms this morning. My name is Sarah. As you can see this morning, I'm not Trent. I do have hair. I'm not Tim. I don't read romance novels. I'm actually Tim's wife, and we have uh, two kids. Um, Trevor, who is dedicated this morning, is almost nine months old, and Audrey is two and a half. And we are in those early years of parenting with diapers and potty training and lots of hands-on parenting. So if you're a mom here in those early years, Man, stick with it. Um, This day is a great celebration for you. And if your kids are older and grown and gone, um, you have done an amazing work. So we just are thankful for you. I have new appreciation for moms. So moms, I hope you have a wonderful day today. A few months ago, I read a statement that um, the Apostle Paul made, and it just messed with me. It was something that was so stunning to me and so far from the way that I live, I thought, Really, like, I just don't get this. This is so countercultural. It really challenged me, and I thought, what does he mean by this? And the statement um, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And Paul said, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. I thought, really? Boast? Paul, you like to boast? You like to brag about what you're weak about? I just don't get that. I don't know if that struck you as odd or not, but I like strength. I would rather rather enjoy what I'm good at rather than glory in my weaknesses. As a mom, I would rather know what to do in a situation and have it figured out rather than be like, oh, I don't know what to do, I'm stuck, nothing's working. I would rather be mentally sharp and well-rested rather than exhausted and feel like I have mommy foggy brain, which sometimes is a reality these days. For all of us, I think we like strengths rather than our weaknesses. For, um, for me, a couple months ago, my older brother and sister-in-law invited me, or asked me actually, to come to Atlanta and take care of my niece and nephew, who are 10 years old and eight years old. And so I would have four kids by myself for a week. I thought, okay, this will be fun. It will be challenging, but fun. And they said, we'll pay for your plane tickets to come up if you'll do this. So um, I knew the biggest, the first big challenge would be flying with myself and our two kids up to Atlanta. So thankfully, they did great on the airplane. We got there, and I had the kids in our double stroller and um, in the Atlanta airport, which if you've ever flown through the Atlanta airport, you know is massive. It is the world's busiest airport. This thing is huge. So we make it finally to baggage claim. I think we were the last ones there because there is a baggage guy waiting by our suitcase and the car seat. So I finally get up there and I say, this is my stuff, I pick it up. And then I'm looking at it. I've got the kids in the double stroller, I've got the car seat, and I've got this huge suitcase. And I'm like, how am I gonna do this? Audrey needs to eat, I've got it. we've gotta stay here a little bit longer, what am I gonna do? And so I look at the guy and I'm like, could you take the double stroller Oh, I mean, not the double stroller. The kids are in the double stroller. Could you take the the suitcase, the car seat? Could you just hold on to these? And then I'll just come back and pick them up. And he's like, no, once you pick them up, you have to take them. I thought, oh, can we just pretend this didn't happen? But no luck. So... I end up pushing the double stroller, which, by the way, is massive. It's like 20 pounds, with the two kids who weigh about 50 pounds in one hand, 
pulling the 48-pound suitcase in the other hand, which I know is 48 pounds because it has to be under 50 pounds. And of course, I packed this thing out to the hilt. So I have the massive 48-pound suitcase balancing the car seat on top. And I am like limping through the Atlanta airport. And everybody is like, it's like the Red Sea parting before me. It's like people are like, get out of her way because once she's starting, she is not stopping. This is like a train going. So we make it to Wendy's and get down, we get the food, which is another thing to add, get, uh, sit down, Audrey is happy eating, Trevor is happy, and I knew we had still a part to go, but I was like, it was one of those moments, I was just like, yes, I was high-fiving myself on the inside. I'm like, we made it, we are here. I didn't lose a child, and I didn't lose a piece of luggage. If I was a guy at that moment, I think I would have picked up that 48-pound suitcase, put it over my head, and slammed it to the ground and did one of those big WWF moves or something. I mean, I was feeling that good. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. If you're playing football and you score that winning touchdown, you spike the ball and you give your friends all the high fives and all that stuff, and it feels great at that moment, even if it was just playing Madden football on Wii. It doesn't matter. Regular football man, football man, it feels good. We like our strengths. But we know the reality is that often our lives are plagued by our weaknesses. We have great strengths, but daily, often we have to deal with our weaknesses. As moms, there are days where we feel strong and on top of the world. And we can understand why um, Paul, well, we might think, why, why didn't Paul brag about his weaknesses, about um, his strengths, excuse me? And we feel great. And we feel like, you know, we're holding it all together. Our kids have a great meal. Our, um, our husbands are happy. We maybe get an attaboy, a good job at work, and things are feeling good. But then there are days where we're struggling, and we may be sharp with our kids, or um, our husband may be sharp with us, or we're sharp with him, or whatever it may be. And we may just be struggling to balance all the work and family responsibilities before us. And it can just be tough. And those are the days where we feel those weaknesses in our lives. I think for all of us, whether men or women, students or adults, wherever we are, in our lives, there are days where we feel strong and on top of the world and things are, together, are coming together and we look at a problem and it's like, okay, we can solve this, we can do it. And then there are other days where we feel tortured by those weaknesses in our lives where it's tough and we may look at something and just even be paralyzed almost of what do we do to solve that problem. Like the Apostle Paul, I, he can relate to our struggle with our strengths and our weaknesses. He had amazing strengths in his life. He um, wrote over half of the New Testament. He planted so many different churches. And we're sitting here today largely because of his work he did of um, spreading the message about Jesus. He had amazing visions from God. But instead of Paul choosing to boast about those strengths, he did something else. He chose to boast about his weaknesses. He endured, he had sleepless nights that he endured. The Bible says that he um, sometimes didn't know what to do in different situations. He was attacked by some people who, he, who were close to him. And in, in my mind, I would be like, Paul, you accomplished so much. Why don't you, you boast about those and brag about those things? But he didn't. Instead, he chose to boast about his weaknesses. And it makes me wonder you know, he did so much. God used him so greatly. What is it that he knows that 
we may not know? What is it that we can learn from Paul in order to handle our weaknesses better in our lives? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which is um, the passage where Paul talks about um, boasting in his weaknesses and see what we can learn um, from him today. And that is page 888 in your paperback Bibles. Now, the book of 2 Corinthians was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. It was a young church. And there were some men in the church who were saying that, who were attacking Paul and saying that Paul was not an apostle. An apostle is simply someone who, in the early church, who had special authority from God to lead the church. So these men came in after Paul had found, helped found the church in Corinth and say, Paul doesn't have authority to God, from God. You should not listen to him. So in this book, in 2 Corinthians, Paul was having to defend his authority, his leadership, as well as the message that he was proclaiming about Jesus. So at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul gave proof of his authority by telling about a vision that he had received from God. And this was an amazing vision about heaven. And at this point, he could have gone into all the details about this vision. He probably could have gone on and on and on about it just to put the smack down on these guys who were saying that he wasn't the real deal. But instead, he took a different approach. So let's um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 5. That experience, which he was referring to the vision that he had received from God, is worth boasting about, Paul says, but I'm not going to do it. I will only boast about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. Now, Paul could have boasted about many things. He could have gone on about that vision, but he makes that shocking statement. He says, I will boast only about my weaknesses. So let's pick up in the middle of verse seven. Let's go on. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So because of these amazing visions that Paul had received, God had allowed for him to have this thorn in his life that was tormenting him to help him realize his need for God so that he wouldn't become puffed up and conceited. Now, we all have thorns in our lives, thorns that we, that we deal with. For Paul, it could have been some sort of physical affliction that he was dealing with, some chronic physical pain. We don't know for sure what that was. Um, but for us, we all experience some sort of thorns at different times in our lives. Now, men, let me help you out here. This is not your wife that he's talking about. <laughs> Women, it's not your husband, even though there are days you may feel like he may be. These are things that may be um, like Paul. It could be a physical struggle, some chronic physical pain that you've been dealing with in your life that causes pain and difficulty. It could be a difficult person, like Paul was experiencing as well. He was being attacked. For you, it could be um, maybe someone in your life who is criticizing you or, or belittling you on a regular basis. That's just difficult to deal with. It could be a challenging season of life that you're going through that is just leaves you constantly exhausted and um, challenged and drained. But I think for all of us in, um, in different seasons of our lives, we have different thorns, different things in our lives that cause us pain and difficulty. And I think we can relate to what Paul did next. Let's look at verse eight. Paul said, 
Three different times, I begged the Lord to take that away. And isn't that what we do too? We beg God. Now, it might not just be three times, it may be like 3,000 times, but we beg God to take it away. We say, God, change this. Change the situation. Heal me. Heal my kids. Fix this. We want him to change whatever is that, take away whatever thorn it is in our lives. And there were three distinct times Paul prayed, and these were probably not kind of like on your way to work, laid back light prayers that he prayed. These were probably on his face begging God to change this. And maybe you've been there too, where you have begged God to change something in your life. Maybe you've begged God for that runaway, that rebel child to come home. Maybe you've begged God to heal you. Maybe you've begged God to change your financial situation, but you're still upside down. When we, when we beg God, we're pouring our hearts to him, and that can be so tough. And yet, like Paul, God may at some times choose not to change our circumstances. He may say no. And in some maybe slightly twisted way, I don't know about for you, but that was slightly encouraging to me that God told Paul no, because there are times he doesn't answer my prayers. He doesn't answer our prayers like we want him to either. But why, why do you think, why did God not take that away? Probably for Paul, it could have been something that was, in Paul's mind, even hindering or slowing down the ministry and the calling that God had given to him. But, but God said no. God chose not to take it away. And for us, sometimes we don't know either why God sometimes chooses not to change that difficult thorn in our life, that dif- difficult circumstance or challenge that we're going through. But instead, what God did for Paul is he spoke each time God, each time Paul begged for God to take it away, Jesus spoke directly into his need. And we may not like his answer, we'd prefer for him to take it away, but Jesus spoke directly to his heart of what he needed to hear. Let's look at verse nine together, this is powerful. Each time Jesus said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now Jesus didn't say, Paul, buck up, get it together. Pull yourselves up from your bootstra- by your bootstraps. This isn't that big of a deal, like you can do this. That's not what he said. Instead, he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, we're going to circle back around to that weakness idea again. But let's talk about what what does it mean when God says, when Jesus said, my grace is all that you need. We hear grace a lot. We can hear, especially around the church world, we can hear it in terms of, let's say, grace before dinner. We hear it in a famous song, Amazing Grace. And we may often think of grace as compassion or forgiveness, but grace um, is even bigger than that. And a simple definition, though, we can put on grace is that grace is God's undeserved favor and blessing. It's the favor and blessing that he pours out on us who don't deserve it. We cannot earn his grace. The key word in that definition is undeserved. Grace is a free gift. It's undeserved. For example, The idea, if we were to say someone to deserve grace, when we say that they deserve it, it voids the idea of grace. 
For example, if you were to say, I'm going to plan my own surprise party, the planning voids the idea of the surprise. In the same way, idea of saying someone deserves grace. Oh, they just deserve a little bit of grace in that situation. That's not grace. You can't earn or deserve grace. That's something else that they earn or deserve at that point. But the, the grace that God gives us is freely given. It's based on his character and love and in, his, in who he is, not in what we do. Which I hope is encouraging to you this morning as we're talking about weaknesses. But grace is nothing. It's not something that we can earn or deserve. Now, we are probably most familiar when we talk about grace um, in, as a Christ follower in the saving grace that God gives us when we acknowledge our sin and put our, trace, our, our trust and our faith in him. And so when we do that, he gives us a, a saving grace. But the great thing is grace does not end at salvation. It sustains us through our entire lives. It, God will give us sustaining grace a grace to endure through our weaknesses, through our difficulties, and that grace he pours out just as freely on us. Now, sustaining grace can, um, can show up in so many ways in our lives. God can work in so many different ways to sustain us. It may be through a friend who just speaks that very word that you need to hear at that moment to keep you going in that difficult situation. If you're maybe struggling with what to do in a particular situation and you just, you just don't know, you don't have that wisdom or knowledge, maybe the next day, a week, a month, sometime down the road, you pick up a book and it's like, wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear for that situation. Or maybe if you're just being plagued by some depression and down and discouraged. Maybe it's a song or a Bible verse you just hear in some random way that just God uses to speak to your heart and lift your spirits. But God's grace, sustaining grace, works, can work in so many different areas and so many different ways. But often is seen through that peace that he gives us, that ability to endure even in incredibly hard situations. But there is a characteristic of grace that we need, a characteristic that we need, excuse me, in our lives in order to experience God's sustaining grace. Now let's look, um, pick back up in verse nine. And this is where he says, once again, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. We're circling back to that weakness word again. The characteristic that we need in our lives in order to experience God's sustaining grace is weakness. Jesus said, my power works best in our weaknesses. His power works best when we lack the resources, when we don't know what to do, when we're struggling, when we have that plaguing thorn in our lives. That's when his power and strength can work most powerfully in us. But it's not just enough to be weak. We have to also acknowledge our weaknesses. I think Part of the reason God allows those weaknesses in our lives is because when we are weak, that's when we know we need him. When we're strong, we think, you know what? I'm doing okay. I can do this on my own. We get into our, um, our go mode, our strength mode. But in our weaknesses, that's where God can work most powerfully when we acknowledge those. Just as in salvation, when we acknowledge our sin, it unleashes God's saving grace on us. When we acknowledge our weakness, it unleashes God's sustaining grace. Let me read that again. 
Just when we acknowledge our sin, it unleashes God's saving grace on us. When we acknowledge our weakness, it unleashes God's sustaining grace. And then he can work powerfully to sustain us in those um, situations. And the results can be amazing in our lives. Paul talked about in another book of the Bible, the peace that passes understanding. It's a piece that when people look around at, look, look at us and are around us are say, how can you have peace in that situation and that difficult um, season of your life? And that's God's sustaining grace when they see that peace of God that is evident in your life. When we acknowledge our weakness and God pours out his sustaining grace, it, we can experience greater joy and freedom in our lives. Our lives are better, and, and we may even be able to look back after that terribly difficult season and say, you know what? I'm actually thankful for that season, thankful for that weakness, because I know it pointed me to God. I know that I was better. I was more like Jesus through that weakness, and my family's lives were better. We experienced more joy and freedom through that weakness. But that's only possible through God's sustaining grace. So now as we come to that statement that we had first looked at at the beginning of the message where Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, maybe that makes just a little bit more sense to us. So let's look at it in the middle of verse nine. Paul said, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Why is Paul glad to boast about his weaknesses? Because acknowledging, he knew that acknowledging his weakness is the gateway to strength in his life. We tend to think the way to strength is powering up through more education, through more experience, through trying to get something done our way and our timing. But what God says is, is no, it's another way. It's through acknowledging your need for me. When we acknowledge our weakness, that is the gateway to God's strength in our lives. In verse 10, let's look at that. Paul goes on to say, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. He went from boasting, now he's taking pleasure in them. That's amazing. He takes pleasure in, he said, I take my pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God's sustaining grace transformed Paul's perspective. It sh he went from begging God to take away those weaknesses to not only boasting in those, but taking pleasure of those, thanking God for those. And that is only possible through God's sustaining grace at work in our lives. For me, this is been a lesson I've been learning at different times in my life. Sometimes this lesson can apply to maybe thorns that go on for years and seasons in our lives, and sometimes it can apply to those thorns that are just that constant daily poking and pricking in our lives as well. For Tim and I, several years ago, we went through a season of, of infertility where we were begging God repeatedly, more the longer than not the three times, but closer to the 3,000 times, of begging God for a child. And that was a five-year season where in the middle of that, God kept saying, no, not now, not now. But he also said, trust me, trust me. 
I'm going to see you through it. And in the middle of that, not knowing what the outcome was going to be and having to trust him whether he would possibly change that season or not, that was a huge, huge lesson for us. But we saw that his grace was sufficient and he's blessed us with two beautiful children, which we're just so thankful for. But in the middle of that, we didn't know. We had to trust him and rely on his sustaining grace. But for me, more recently, he's been teaching me this. Sometimes we can learn things in the big lessons, but sometimes it's the daily lessons as well. And as a mom, uh, there have been days in the last several months where I'm like, God, I can't do this. I cannot raise my children well in my own strength. And I feel weak, whether I'm sharp at my daughter or whatever it may be. In those moments, he reminds me that, sir, you cannot do this in your own strength. This is your weakness. I'm reminding you that in, my weak, in your weakness, I can be strong on your behalf. And it is a continual lesson I think he's going to be teaching me for a long time. But when we learn those lessons, that is powerful in our lives. And he can do amazing things in us and through us at those moments. So what about you? Have you been maybe trying to endure some of the challenges in your life through your own coping mechanisms. Maybe you've been just trying to, you know what, we're gonna pull ourselves up from our boots by our bootstraps, we're gonna get through this. We are gonna power up and we are going to do it. Or maybe you've been trying to cope through just forgetting about it. You know, like, you know what, this weakness, it's not going away. So I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna medicate, I'm gonna eat. We're just gonna forget about it and pretend it's not here. The world tells us so many ways that we could handle our weaknesses. Culture says that we could try to compensate for them, we, that we could try to just to manage around them. Culture says try to hide them. Don't, don't tell anybody about them. Don't tell God about them. Just try to hide them. But Jesus gives us another way. He says that when we acknowledge our weakness, that's when he can show himself strong on our behalf. That's when he can give us amazing, sustaining grace like we have never known. Now, I, w I want us to try something together this morning. I know it's hard for us. It's hard for me to say, I cannot. So we're going to start there. Let's say those words together. I cannot. Okay, good. All right, let's add a little bit to that. And let's say together, God, I cannot, but you can. Let's say it together. God, I cannot, but you can. Okay, one more time with a little bit of, a little more umption. God, I cannot, but you can. And that prayer can apply in every area of our lives, in every area of our weaknesses, in the thorns that are in our lives, whether we think they're big or whether they're those daily thorns that continue just to bother us. Maybe you're facing a parenting challenge that you just are stuck and what you're trying isn't working and you don't know what to do. I encourage you to pray this prayer. Say, God, I cannot raise this child in my own strength. I don't know what to do, but I know you can. I know you will give me the wisdom that I need in this situation. Maybe you're facing that just debilitating physical issue in your life. And there are days where you just feel like, I cannot make it. I cannot endure. But turn to God and say, you know what? God, I cannot. I cannot do this in my own strength. I cannot endure. 
but you can. Give me your sustaining grace in this moment. Or maybe your thorn is that difficult person in your life. And maybe you say, God, I cannot love this person one more minute in my own strength. But thank you that you can love them through me. You can give me that ability and grace to love them. And then we can see God show up and work in his sustaining grace in so many ways in our lives. So my challenge for you this morning is to start to pray that prayer. God, I cannot, but you can. And and when we do, we see God reach down and touch our lives in so many personal, intimate ways that it builds our strength and our trust in him. So I want you to think of what, what is that specific thing in your life, that specific thorn that you're dealing with? Would you consider today to acknowledge your weakness and say, you know what, God, I've been trying to do this on my own, but I cannot. I cannot anymore. But thank you that you can. Acknowledging our weakness is the gateway for God's amazing strength and his sustaining grace in our lives. And imagine, imagine if we were to do that. How would our lives change? How would our lives be better? I think we would experience that peace that Paul talked about that passes understanding. I think there would be a greater joy and freedom in our lives. We may be a little bit more relaxed and a little bit less stressed out. We may, it, would, it may affect our families, and they may see, you know what, wow, you're different. You've changed. You're more at peace, and our family is more at rest. We have more margin in our lives because we're making this choice, or you've made this choice to rely on God and not your own strength. So I encourage you, make that a daily habit in your life. Start today, but it is the best habit that you can make on a daily basis to say, God, I cannot, but you can. And each morning, declare your reliance on God and not on yourself. So I'm going to invite the band back up. And they're going to close us in a song um, this morning. But before they do, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to lead us in that prayer. If you're at that place where this morning you need to just acknowledge your weakness before God and ask for his sustaining grace in your life. Would you say, God, I cannot, and tell him what it is. Fill in that blank. And then thank him that he can. Thank him for the sustaining grace and power that he will pour out on your life. So God, we do thank you. We thank you for your grace that is available, Lord. Thank you that it is not something we earn or deserve, but you freely give it to us. Lord, thank you that in our weakness, you are so powerful, Lord. And I ask that you would just show us your sustaining grace in so many areas of our lives this week and in the coming months as we make this a habit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.